Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation. This is part two, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. In case you're wondering how you can do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. You can go to our give page and you can give, give them anywhere around the world uh, through that channel. Uh, if you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on the website is our mailing address. And if you're here in the United States, just so you know, all your tax donations and contributions are 100% tax deductible, and we are a 501c3 church. All right, just so you know, we will have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, on, and we'll continue our Bible study on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack, and we'll be continuing that tonight at 6 o'clock. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump right to my message this morning. We're talking about such a great salvation, as I've been saying in previous weeks, uh, this is a... This is our second series from the trilogy of three series. We've just talked about in prior weeks about uh, the essence of our redemption. And in this series, we're talking about such a great salvation. And in our next teaching series that we're going to start in a, in a couple of weeks, or actually a few weeks from now, because uh, we're not quite done with this one. Uh, we still got some uh, ground to cover, I'll cover that in just a moment. But uh, we'll be talking about the. the, the our covenant relationship with God. You know, when Paul talked about in, in uh, when he talked about the communion in, in Corinthians, he says <coughs> he talked about that the bread is the, his body that was broken for us, and the cup. This is the cup of my covenant, the covenant of my blood. And so, and I'm, I know I'm chopping that up a little bit, but we have a we have a covenant with God because of the blood of Christ. And it's a blood covenant, and we'll be talking about that. So these three messages combined, what I'm calling a trilogy of series, is all talking about this salvation. We're just taking this redemption, this salvation, this covenant, and we're taking it from different angles. You know, if you look at a prism, a prism, and, and you can look at it at different angles. You know, it's beautiful in a lot of different angles, but it just it's, it shows a new aspect of light. And it brings new light to and, and uh Revelation of that prism, and so uh, there's not a wrong angle to look at a prism. But every angle you look at it, it you, you can get a different uh, viewpoint. You can get a different perception of of this, that great piece, that jewel, that great piece of um, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, prism. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if you don't get any of that, we're talking about such a great salvation. It's a, it's a great salvation. Last week we started off by talking about the gift of salvation. We were basically we're defining what salvation is. Salvation is not something that you earn. It's a gift. You can't perform to get this. There's nothing you can do in your part in the flesh to receive salvation. It's a gift. We, put, we simply put faith in His grace. When someone gives you a gift, you simply say, thank you. You can't earn a gift. If you earn a gift, it's a, if you earn something, it's a wage. We are, most of us work, and we get a wage. We don't get a gift from our employer. We get a wage. We get a paycheck. But a gift, like at Christmas time, or your birthday, or a wedding gift, or whatever the case may be, is a gift. You, can't, you don't earn it. 
When someone gives you a gift, you don't say, well, how much do I owe you? No, that would be inappropriate, and some people, that would be offensive, okay? And so, you, don't, you just receive it. You say, thank you, and that's what we do. By faith, we receive his gift of salvation. His gift is grace, and we talked about that last week. This week, we're going to be talking about the purpose of salvation. This is probably the, my shorter message of all the message, uh, message I have in this series, but this is probably my favorite. This is probably... This is really the capstone and really the purpose of the salvation that we're talking about. Next week, we're, we're going to the necessity of salvation. That's a little longer study. We might even have to have two weeks on this, this aspect. But, it, and, 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 and weeks two or three kind of go together. <coughs> Today, excuse me, we're going to be talking about the purpose, but next week we're going to be talking about the necessity. Uh, we needed it. We, and, 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 you know, we, we have to have it. If we didn't have, if we didn't, uh, we'll get into this next week, and we'll get a little bit today too. Without the forgiveness of sins, we can't we can't enjoy the purpose of salvation. Okay, we can't enjoy the purpose of salvation, and because there was something in the way, and it was called sin, and we needed to be saved. We, there was something that we had to be redeemed from, and that was sin, and that was our old man. We needed, and that was necessary, so that we can enjoy the purpose of salvation. And then in the, in the final weeks. Of this series, we're going to be talking about the benefits of salvation, and this one I have under. <coughs> excuse me, under this section I have many subheadings, and we're going to be because I talked about it last week with the gifts of salvation. The word salvation, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, is and in, in, in the Hebrew is Yeshua, and in the in the Greek it's uh, soteria, and in both the Greek and the Hebrew, the definition of salvation means wholeness, healing, prosperity. Deliverance, and there's some more definitions of that, but those are the four primary ones that we focus on. And so I'm going to take some sub, sub messages underneath the benefits of salvation. I'm going to talk about salvation as it relates to wholeness. I'm going to talk about salvation as it relates to healing, and how it relates to prosperity, and how it relates to deliverance. And so we're going to be looking at those in a little more detail as we talk about the benefits of salvation. But even though the benefits are something I'm going to highlight in detail, the benefits are still not the purpose of salvation. They're the benefits, okay? They're part of the package deal. They're part, and, and, and that's why we're talking about such a great salvation, because it's a great salvation. It's not just the forgiveness of sins, which we're going to be talking about more next week in the necessity of salvation, but the purpose of sin, uh, salvation is what we're going to be talking about today, okay? So, and then talking about the purpose of salvation, that's the scope of the, the message for this morning. What is the purpose? Is the purpose just to go to heaven and not go to hell? We're going to be talking about that this morning. Okay? And so, <coughs> now let me just establish on the back. There is a hell, and there is a heaven. And those who reject Jesus will go to hell, and those who receive Jesus will go to heaven. That is a, let me just set that, uh, that set, that, set that tone, okay? We'll get a little more detail to that. But even though what I just said is true, that's not the purpose. And some of you are like, whoa, where are you going with this? Well, hold on, let me explain myself, okay? First of all, before we even go there, let me ask a question. What is the meaning of true eternal life? I could, re I could rephrase this question and say, what's the meaning of everlasting life? Eternal life, everlasting life, those are two change terms that are used interchangeably. Eternal life, let me just say this, it's much more than living forever. See, eternal life is much more than just going to heaven. 
And eternal life is much more than just avoiding hell. Those are true. I am not going to take away from those. I'm not watering it down. I'm not saying they're not essential. I'm just saying it's much more than just that. Okay? Now, avoiding hell would be enough. Okay? You don't want to go there. Okay? You want to go to heaven. You want to go... And, and, and I'm not saying it's wrong to preach that. <coughs> it's right to preach that. You need to preach that there is a hell and you want to avoid hell. I'm not saying that's not good to preach. I'm just saying it's much more than that. And avoiding hell and going to heaven is not the purpose of salvation. It's one of the major, major benefits of salvation. But it's not the purpose of salvation. And some of you are already losing you just by saying that. See, no one ceases to exist when they die. Everyone will exist or live forever in either heaven or hell. Okay, hell is a second death, and that's a whole other teaching. But, in one sense, you don't cease to exist there. You will be in hell for eternity. It doesn't end. It's not like you just, you know, died and done, and now you can just rest in peace. There's no resting in peace in hell. Okay? Now, let's get some scripture with some things here. Let's go to John 3.36. It says, he, Jesus, he, Jesus says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. <coughs> now, there's a lot of different things I'm going to be talking about this morning and, and, and talking about everlasting life and talking about the purpose of salvation. But one thing I want to highlight just with this verse by itself is that, let me reread read, read the first part of the sentence again. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you have everlasting life. See, everlasting life is a present tense possession, not just future, not just when Jesus comes again or you go to heaven. It's something that you can receive and enjoy and experience now. Okay? See, everlasting life does not begin when we go to heaven. That's not where it begins. Everlasting life begins when you receive Jesus Christ. See, everlasting life is present in this life and in the life to come. Okay? I'm get, again, I'm not downplaying heaven and I'm not downplaying avoiding hell. I'm just saying you don't have to wait to experience eternal life. You don't have to wait to experience everlasting life. You can have <coughs> everlasting life now in this life. Everlasting life is present in this life. Let's go to John 4. I'm going to be using a lot of John today. John had a lot to say about this eternal life. In John 4, 14 says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing to, what? Everlasting life. Okay? John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, which, which is God, has present tense everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. I just read a post this week about, about how you can receive Jesus, but you still need to fear judgment. If we still need to fear judgment after receiving Jesus, then you're telling me Jesus accomplished nothing. Was not Jesus judged for us so we don't have to be judged? Okay, now that's a whole other teaching. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go into all that detail right now. But it says, He who 
believes in him who, 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 who sent me, that's God, and me is Jesus, he's the one speaking here, <coughs> has presence, everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but has, again, present passed from death into life. So if you have Jesus, you have everlasting life. And not only that, you will not come into judgment. Okay? I'm not going to go into all that detail this morning, but you won't come into judgment. Okay? Let's go to John 6, 27. It says, Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the Father has set his seal on him. Okay? So again, you know, we're going, we went from John chapter 4, four to John chapter 5 to John chapter 6. John has a lot to say about this everlasting life. Okay, let's go to John 6, 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, <coughs> excuse me, and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. I can go a lot of detail with all these scriptures. But John, from John chapter 3, we're going to get to John chapter 3 in just a moment, John 3, 16 and 17 and 18. John has a lot to say, what Jesus has a lot to say, John records what he said about everlasting life. Let's go to John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. He keeps saying the same thing over and over again, many different ways, but he, he who has Jesus has, present tense, everlasting life. Everlasting life is present in this life. Is it present in the life to come? Yes. But some of us, that's all we talk about. That's all we focus on. And I, I did take it away from that. <coughs> I'm just expounding on that today is the day of salvation. Okay? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can have eternal life both then, when we go to heaven, and you can have eternal life now. Eternal life does not begin when you go to heaven. Eternal life begins when you receive Jesus. See, everlasting life is present in this life upon believing on Jesus. So again, we're asking the question, what is the meaning of true eternal life? In other words, what is everlasting life? What is eternal life? And we're going to get into some of that detail uh, as we go forward. Let's go to John 3.16. This is actually going to be our major text for this segment of this teaching this morning. But let's read it. We'll read uh, three verses here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about such a great salvation. Verse 18. For he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the, of the only begotten Son. Let's go back to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. <coughs> Excuse me. But whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's look at this world, this phrase, excuse me, for God so loved the world. God so loved mankind. Let me ask you another question. When did God commend his love towards us? In other words, when did God demonstrate his love to us? 
Romans 8, 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we can say, if God loved us while we were still sinners, because that's where God made the first move, not you. None of us are saved because we were good enough. We were all saved because God loved us while we were still sinners. And if God loved us while we were still sinners, God's love is not conditioned on our goodness. I want to say that again. Some of us need to hear this. If God loved us while we were still sinners, then God's love is not conditioned on our goodness, or our performance. Am I saying that we could just live any way we want to? No. Because the grace of God that appears to all men has taught us to live godly. Titus 2, 11 to 12. Okay? But God's, God's love, if God loved us while we were still sinners, then God's love is not conditioned by our performance. We love because he first loved us. This is love, 1 John 4, 10. How do we love him? But that he loved us became the propitiation for our sins. See, God does not love us because we are sinless, but because he is love. God's love is not based on us. It's based on who he is. I just kind of quoted it, but let's go to verse John 4, 8 through 10. For he does not love, excuse me, let me start over. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten Son to the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. You know, let me go back to verse 9 real quick. That we might live through him. We're talking about everlasting life. We're talking about great salvation. Okay, we'll come back to that. And this is love, not that, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What's propitiation? He was our sacrifice. He was our substitute. So, John defines what love is. <coughs> Excuse me. Love is not you loving God. Love is God loving you and dying for your sins. That's what love is. We take this definition of love and we tie that into John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. See, the focus of this verse is not on us perishing. That's not the focus. The focus of this verse is on us having everlasting life. Everlasting life is us knowing God the Father and Jesus the Son. How do I know that? Because Jesus gave us the answer. In John 17, 3, just before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed a prayer to the Father, and he said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John gave us a definition of what love is. Jesus gave us a definition of what eternal life. Eternal life is not going to heaven. Eternal life is knowing God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. In other words, eternal life is knowing God. And we're going to get a little deeper with it. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing him intimately. It's not just knowing him intellectually. It's knowing him intimately in a relationship. See, eternal life is us knowing God the Father and Jesus our Lord. Let's look at this word knowing real quick, just for a moment. It's, again, it, I've already talked about it. It's talked about intimacy. 
It's the same word that's used in the Hebrew, but in the Hebrew it talks about Genesis 4, 1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived of their Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So the word knowing is talking about intimacy. And I can give you tons of scripture, uh, even Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, says, how can this be since I've never known a man? Okay? Knowing. But there's also this other part about knowing, and it's, you see, in the Western mind, it's information, intellectual. It's just information. But in the Eastern mindset, or the biblical mindset, it's intimacy. There's different words in the Greek and Hebrew for know, but this word that we're talking about from John 73 is talking about intimacy, not information. Okay? It's also can be defined as experiential. And that's also an Eastern mindset, not a Western mindset. Don't get so caught up in the East and West. Okay? I'm just talking about, it, it, it's not this type of knowing. There's some people I know about them. I have some information about them. And there's only one person in the room that I know intimately, and that's my wife. <laughs> okay? And there's different kinds of intimacy in the sense that you can, you know, if you engage with someone in a lot of conversation, you can be into intimate with them psychologically, mentally. Maybe not. I'm not talking about intercourse and that type of intimacy. That is a form of intimacy, obviously. That's a, probably the ultimate form. And that's a physical form of intimacy. But I'm talking about you can actually be intimate with someone psychologically or emotionally or mentally without having engaged in any type of anything that's sexual. Okay? But eternal life is us knowing God intimately. In other words, eternal life is us experiencing God the Father and Jesus our Lord. That's what he says. This is eternal life that you, they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not living forever in heaven. Yes, that's one of the benefits. And I'm not downplaying that. But Jesus didn't die just so we go to heaven. That would have been enough. But that wasn't the purpose. That's one of the benefits. And eternal life is knowing and us knowing God the Father. See, eternal life is us experiencing God, experiencing Jesus. Eternal life is us knowing God intimately. And those who come to Jesus only to have their sins forgiven never experience the purpose of salvation. Praise God that our sins are forgiven. We're going to get into that in just a moment here. Okay? If your sins are not forgiven, then you can't have intimacy with God. Okay? So it's necessary. And we're going to get into that in a lot of detail next week. <coughs> but I will shed some more light on it in just a few moments. But if the only reason you come to Jesus is so your sins are forgiven, you never experience the purpose of salvation. Because that's the only thing you get. See, those who come to salvation only to have their sins forgiven never experience a relationship with God. See, and those who come to Jesus only to have their sins forgiven never experience intimacy with God. See, eternal life is not just living forever. Because eternal life is much more than living forever. Eternal life is much more than going to heaven. And eternal life is much more than avoiding hell. Everything I just said is true. Everything I just said is essential. But it's not the purpose. No one ceases to exist when they die. Everyone will live or exist forever, whether that be in heaven or that be in hell. Okay? 
Now, this is a major, none of us want to go to hell. That's essential. Okay? And I'm not taking away from that, but that is not the only, that's not the purpose of salvation. That's why eternal life is not just living forever. Sounds like an oxymoron, but eternal life is a relationship with God. See, eternal life is not living forever in heaven, and eternal life is not just going in hell. Yes, that's part true, and yes, that's essential. But again, Jesus said, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and who and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. It's already there. And we'll, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But John 5, 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my words and believes in him, who has said me, has already everlasting life, and shall not come to judgment, but has already passed from death into life. This is eternal life, that you may know the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he, he has sent. Again, eternal life is knowing God the Father and Jesus our Lord. I'm going to be very repetitive in this message because I want to drive some points home. Okay? And everlasting life is knowing God the Father. And, and see, in John chapter 8, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. <coughs> Why do I say this? Nobody says over and over again because I want you to know the truth. Now, this word, no, is experiencing the truth. Again, it's experiencing the truth. Yes, there's information involved with that. Even with intimacy, there's some information that involved with that. Because of intimacy, you know some things on a deeper level than other people don't know. There's information there. But information is not the purpose of intimacy. Okay? It's, it's one of the byproducts. It, it comes with, but it's not the purpose. You want to experience when you know the truth. When you know that you know that you know the truth, it has a power to set you free. If you don't know the truth, the truth can't set you free. The truth has a power to set you free only when you know it. Only the truth you know has the power to set you free. If you don't know it, it does not have the power to set you free. It's just how it works, folks. And so, so we need to know the truth. In John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. I'm, I mean, I'm still capitalizing on this word know. Let's go back. We, we, we can know the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to know Jesus. We can experience the truth. Jesus. The truth is not an it. The truth is a person. The truth is not information, even though there's information in it. The truth is a person, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can, we can know his voice. As my sheep know my voice, and I know them. In Matthew 7, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, <coughs> excuse me, have we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. Verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, this passage of scripture, I don't know about you, but it's always took me up through the years. You know, because there's a matter of accounts of this where Jesus said they will captain the they will do all of this in his name, they will do all of this in his name, but he will say, I never knew you. How can you do all these spiritual things and never know God? Okay, see, again, eternal life is knowing God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Everlasting life is knowing the Father. Everlasting life, eternal life, are interchangeable. I keep using them both. 
But eternal life is knowing God intimately. Okay? And those who come to Jesus already have their sins forgiven and never experienced the purpose of salvation. They never experienced not only the purpose of salvation, they never experienced a relationship with God, which is the purpose of salvation where I'm going. They never experienced an intimacy life. See, eternal life is not religion. And there's a lot of people who do religious stuff in the name of Jesus, but they don't know him. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of Christians, they may be born again, they may receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. There's a lot of Christians I've met through the years as a pastor, they've never even been taught to have a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God is such a foreign concept, they've never been taught that. They've been taught to go to church and read their Bible and don't sin and, and don't sin and don't sin and this and that. All that's important. All that is key. But they've never been taught the purpose of salvation, which is a relationship with God. There's a lot of ministers out there. They're doing this in his name. They're doing this in his name. But there's no relationship with God. And I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'll get to some of this in a minute. But eternal life is not a religion. No, eternal life is a relationship with God. See, religion without knowing God is lawlessness. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. To part from me who, who practice lawlessness. These were religious folks who were doing a lot of things in his name. Jesus calls that lawlessness. Spirituality without knowing God is lawlessness. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Eternal life is having a personal relationship with God. And if you have any form of what you call Christianity without a relationship with God, folks, what are you doing? Who are you believing in? What? Why? You are having Christianity without Christ. The one thing that makes Christianity Christianity is Jesus. Without Christ, Christ, without Christ and Christianity, you just have inanity. And a, a, God saved us so that He could have a relationship with us. Let's go to John three sixteen again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, should not go to hell. Or experience hell, but have everlasting life. Knowing God is what salvation is all about. Forgiveness of sins is not the purpose of salvation. It's essential. Because if your sins are not forgiven, you can't have a relationship with God. Sin is what was the barrier that blocked your relationship with God. Sin was the barrier that caused you to perish. Well, the wages of sin is death. The penalty of sin is death. That's why we needed a Savior, Jesus. And we talked a lot about this in our last teaching series about the essential, the essence of redemption. We needed to be redeemed. But Jesus did die for our sins. And Jesus did rise again. And we are seated with him and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, forgiveness of sin is not the purpose of salvation. It was essential. It was necessary. And we're going to talk about that in more detail next week. But 
Yes, Jesus died for our sins. And yes, Jesus rose and again for our justification. We talked about that weeks prior. Yes, we've been redeemed. And we've talked about that by the blood of Jesus. But why, was, why did this happen? Why did he die? Why did he rise again? Because sin blocked our relationship with God. Sin was an obstacle. Sin was a barrier. Sin stood between us and God. Sin had to be dealt with. And sin was dealt with. And anyone who views salvation as only the forgiveness of sins and stops there is missing the purpose of salvation. This is essential. We need to have our sins forgiven because if our sins are not forgiven, we are going to hell and not going to heaven. We need Jesus. We need to be forgiven. And Jesus has already forgiven the sins of the whole world. But the whole world has not received that forgiveness. How do, how do I know that Jesus already forgave the whole world? Because he's not dying again. He died once and for all. And I can give you scripture after scripture how God has already saved the whole world. But the whole world has not received that gift of salvation. And so those who did not receive salvation are going to hell and not heaven. You're not going to hell because of what you did wrong. You're going to hell because you did not receive Jesus. If you receive Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you didn't receive Jesus, you're going to hell. It's as simple and as complicated as that. But God has already forgiven the sins of the whole world, but the whole world has not received him. But if this is the only thing that we think salvation is, and we stop with just that, I mean, that's enough to... That's enough to to be thankful for. Praise God we're going to heaven and not hell. But if we stop there, we miss the purpose of salvation. You miss the purpose of heaven. The heaven is not the, the mansion. The purpose of heaven is not the streets of gold. The, the, the purpose of heaven is not that it's eternity. And the purpose of heaven is not, it's not hell. The purpose of heaven is that you have a relationship face to face with God. See, salvation was intended to present... present was it, salvation was intended to be presented as a way back to God. <coughs> salvation was to bring us back into harmony with God. But instead, salvation has only been presented as an escape from hell. Do we want to escape hell? Hell yes. <laughs> okay, excuse my language, but I think it just fits. We want to escape hell. I am not downplaying that. Okay? And we can preach that, and we need to preach that, and I'm, I say amen and amen to that, but salvation has only been presented as that. Salvation is not fire insurance. It's part of the package deal, yes. But salvation was intended to present, present it as a way back to God. Back in harmony with God. But instead... Salvation has only been uh, presented as an escape from life's problems. Some of us only come to God to get our needs met. Do you know how many people I have pastored that they need healing? They get the healing and they leave. They didn't want the healer, they wanted the healing. Do you know how many people have come praying for provision? Their needs met. They get the provision, they get the job, they get the finances. And they leave God. They didn't want a relationship with the provider. They wanted provision. You know how many people had their sins forgiven because of addiction and whatnot? 
they get saved, they get cleaned up, they go to rehab, whatever the case may be, they get cleaned up, they get their life in order, and they're gone. They didn't want a relationship with the Savior. They just wanted salvation so they don't go to hell and go to heaven, and now they live any way they want to, without no relationship with God. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we missed it. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's so many people, they want the benefits of salvation, but they don't want the purpose of salvation. And we're going to talk about the benefits of salvation, we're going to preach that, but the purpose of salvation is a relationship with God. See, it's not just an escape. Now, do, can we escape from our problems? Well, yes and no. Jesus said, in this life you will have tribulation. So if Jesus said you're going to have tribulation in this life, guess what, folks? You're going to have tribulation in this life. However, he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Jesus can't help us escape from this life's problems. We can avoid hell. We can avoid problems in this life. That means we're not going to go through them. But he will deliver us through them and not necessarily from them. That makes sense? Okay. It is possible to become born again with that kind of thinking. What kind of thinking? That I'm just avoiding hell. That I'm just avoiding the problem. That Jesus is... I can come to him in prayer to get my knees met. <coughs> and can you come to him in prayer to get your knees met? Absolutely. Okay, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I'm just saying that's not the purpose. Okay? You can, you can be forward again thinking everything that I'm teaching against to, to a certain degree and get your sins forgiven and come to him in prayer when you need help. And, and you're going to heaven and not hell. And I know I'm, I'm not filling in all the blanks right now. I'm just trying to make some points. But you can have this type of thinking that most mainstream Christianity thinks and be born again and yet never know God. Never have a relationship. See, most teaching is viewed as only as God helping us out of our crisis, our problem. He's our genie in the bottle, so to speak. And yet, never coming to know God. Never coming into a relationship with God. See, prayer is good, but the, you, know, you know the main purpose of prayer is not getting your knees met. The, the main purpose of prayer is having a relationship with God. Where you talk to Him and He talks with you. You know, if I had a relationship with someone, and the only purpose of that relationship was me to get from that person, that is a sorry relationship. That's a one-sided, selfish relationship. Can I come to that person with it? You know, if you're my friend, if my spouse, or people I care about, can you come to me and ask for help? Yes. But if that's the only reason you came to, to, to me to, to get them things from, and I can never come to you, I can never talk to you, I can never tell you what my needs are, you know, you're really not a true friend. You're just using me. That doesn't mean I won't still love you, and doesn't mean I won't still help you. But Houston, you got you, you got some things backwards. Okay. Anyway, I'll get off that train, folks. See, stop. Let me get back here. Let me back up. Most teaching is viewed only as God helping us out of a crisis, and never coming to the God, never having a relationship with God. I think I, I, I misspelled something. Some Christians, not stop Christians, some Christians, uh, I apologize, some Christians have never heard of the concept of having a relationship with God. 
you know, this, this, this is very common. I've been pastoring for a while. I've been in ministry for a while. As a pastor, sometimes not as a pastor. And it is actually rare that people hear that Christianity is about having a relationship with God. There's some people, they, they're, they've been walking with God all their life, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and I've never heard this concept of having a relationship with God. And my first question to something like that is like, who's been teaching you? But we'll do with that later. Let's get you in a relationship with God. Some people have never heard this. And so the church has been preaching forgiveness instead of a relationship with God. Do we need to preach forgiveness? Absolutely! We need to preach forgiveness of sins. We need to preach salvation. But we need to preach a relationship with God. Because that's the purpose. See, forgiveness of sins is an essential step toward a relationship with God because without forgiveness you can't have it. But the purpose is not forgiveness. The purpose is relationship. Forgiveness of sins cannot be bypassed. It's essential. And we're going to talk about the necessity of, of salvation next week. Forgiveness of our sins is not the purpose of salvation. <coughs> and forgiveness of sins is not eternal life. Am I watering down? No. You're going to see, you're going to hear me next week and maybe in two weeks on the necessity of salvation. But the purpose is a relationship. See, Jesus did not die for us out of pity because our impending doom. Jesus didn't die for us because he just had pity on us. No, he loved us. Jesus died for us out of love for our relationship. I want to say this again. Jesus did not just die for us out of pity. No, Jesus loved us because he wanted a relationship. And it's an eternal relationship. It's not a natural one. It doesn't end and stop. It's a perfect, eternal, never-ending relationship. See, God longed to have an intimate relationship with man once again. See, God originally created man for an intimate relationship. How do I know that? Well, Genesis 3.8. And they, they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the golden day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. This is be before the fall. Adam and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the day with a regular pattern. And they, were, they experienced the presence of God in an intimate relationship. But when sin took place, because this is after sin took place, is that God still walked him. God still wanted to walk with him. God's presence was still there. God didn't hide from man. Man hid from God. They hid themselves. And man has been hiding from God since. Why? Because of sin. God removed sin through Jesus Christ so that God can walk with us today and we can experience his presence. Okay. Revelation 4.11 says this way for the King James. Thou art with your Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
God created us for his pleasure. The only way for man to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's the purpose? To come to the Father. How? Through Jesus. Why? How do I know? Because he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Eternal life <coughs> is a relationship with God. And what is life? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. To come to the Father. And we can only do that through him. The early church, without any modern technology, impacted their world with Jesus Christ. It says in Acts 17, 6, but when they, as were the religious leaders, did not find them, they just dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. See, the 21st century church, though, has made very little impact in the world. Why? Because we are preaching on sin and its effects. Instead, do we need to preach on sin? To a certain degree, yes. But we have preached it to death. And when we have preached on sin, instead of our intimate relationship with God. Do we need to talk about sin at all? Yes, we do. But some of us are preaching on sin, and we are never preaching on an intimate relationship with God. Why would you preach on sin and never talk about a relationship with God? What kind of salvation are you talking about? I'm not trying to step on toes, but some toes need to be stepped on. Okay? I'm not doing it to be mean and malicious. I'm saying it to be love. <coughs> we need to talk about an intimate relationship with Almighty God. See, we are preaching on sin, most of us, Excuse me. Instead of eternal life of God. We're talking about all the bad stuff and we're never talking about why Jesus died. We are preaching on sin and its effects, which is needed at, to a certain point, instead of the purpose of salvation. See, the world is fed up with religion. Can I say that again? The world is fed up with religion. The world is looking for help. <coughs> the world is looking for answers. The world is looking for purpose. The world is looking for life. The world is looking for the supernatural. The world is looking for everything salvation provides. The world is looking for wholeness. The world is looking for healing. The world is looking for prosperity. The world is looking for deliverance. We need a revival of what salvation is. We need a great awakening of what salvation is. Today is the day of salvation. Now let's go back to John 3.16 for a moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, <coughs> I'm still got you. 
But the focus of this verse is not about us not perishing. The focus of this verse is us having everlasting life. And everlasting life is us knowing God the Father and Jesus Christ. And anyone who comes to the Lord for forgiveness. But does not experience an intimate relationship with God. Is missing the purpose of salvation. Those who come to Jesus only to have their sins forgiven never experience the purpose of salvation. See, avoiding hell is an essential benefit of our salvation. But everlasting life is what salvation is all about. Knowing God is what salvation is all about. Today is the day of salvation. Where do we get this term? This phrase, today is the day of salvation. From 2 Corinthians 6 2, where he says, In the acceptable. Now, back up, anyone who's following me know that my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 5 21, where he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the rights of God in Christ Jesus. Two verses later, chapter 6, verse 2 says, Where he says, In the acceptable day time, I, have, I hear you. In the day of salvation, I have helped you. So he's talking about salvation. I have helped you. Behold, now. Is the sepulchral time, and behold, now is the day of salvation. Why is salvation even available? Because two verses earlier, he said, He who knew no sin became sin, that, so that we might become the righteous of God in him. Sin was a barrier that blocked our access to God. And without Jesus removing this barrier, there would be no fellowship with the Father. Okay, there would be no relationship with God. There would be no eternal life. Jesus took the sins of the world and reconciled us back to God. But if we don't move past where the, bar where the barrier used to be into intimacy with God, we are missing the purpose of salvation. In other words, most of us are acting like the barrier is still there. We talk about sin. We talk about forgiveness. We talk about all holiness. But we act like there's still a barrier. We act like Jesus did nothing. Yes, he took our sin away, but we're still acting like there's a barrier between God and us, and we don't have a relationship with him. Who's then we have a problem? Something is wrong. Jesus died, yes, so we can avoid hell and go to heaven, but Jesus died so we can have eternal life, everlasting life. And what is that? A relationship with God. But we still act like we can't approach God. That's why Jesus removed sin. Yes, so it wasn't just so we go to heaven and not hell. That was part of it. That was a major benefit for that. But he did it so we could have a relationship. We were perishing. We will perish without Jesus. But he's removed that out of the way so that we can have a relationship. We can come boldly to his throne of grace in our time of need. He wants a relationship. If we don't move past where the barrier used to be. Why I say used to be? Because it's not there. Read Romans 6. Sin is dead. We can come into intimacy with God. If we don't, we're missing the purpose of salvation. Again, John 3.36, one of our opening verses says, He who believes in the Son has present tense 
everlasting life. Again, this is present tense. Everlasting life is a present tense possession. Everlasting life does not begin when we go to heaven. Everlasting life is present tense in this life. Today is the day of salvation. John 3.16 again, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Many people believe the purpose of salvation is to avoid hell. That is a benefit. Okay? But sure, not perishing in hell is essentially important. You don't want to go there. Okay? Jesus accomplished that by paying for our sins. Now let me go back here real quick. Do you know the, the worst thing about hell is? It's not the torment. It's not the fire and brimstone. The worst thing about hell is God's not there. You know the best thing about heaven is not the streets of gold, it's not the mansion, it's not living forever, it's not resting in peace. The best thing about heaven is God is there and we can see him face to face. Okay? It's sure not perishing in hell is essentially important. But Jesus accomplished that by paying for our sins. Avoiding hell is more than any of us deserved. Avoiding hell is still worth preaching. I'm not saying no preaching. I'm just saying salvation is much more than that. Salvation is much more than forgiveness. Forgiveness is essential. And we're going to spend a whole hour, maybe even two, talking about the, the best necessity of this. But in all, if, if all you did was receive forgiveness, you are saved. You are going to heaven and not hell. But if all you did was receive forgiveness, you wouldn't. If all you did was receive forgiveness, you wouldn't go to hell. Okay, that's true. But you are missing out on eternal life. Sin was a barrier that stood between us and our holy God. But sin was removed through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus died for us. Sin is no longer standing between us and God. So what is our reward? Heaven? Yes. No hell? Yes. Big yes. But more importantly, eternal life. More importantly, a relationship with God. And many other benefits such as going to heaven and not hell. Many benefits such as wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and more. Eternal life is the purpose of salvation. Eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life is an intimate, close, and personal relationship with God. Many people believe Jesus died to forgive their sins. That is true. That is good. And that is important. But many people do not have a personal relationship that is close and intimate with their Father, God. Many people do not have a personal relationship that is intimate. Okay. Um, many people believe a personal relationship with God is reserved just for heaven. And many people have never been taught about a personal relationship with God. See, religion has taught us to muddle through the singing songs like, 
When we all get to heaven. Sounds like a pretty song. And some of us have seen that for years. And I'm not really trying to mock the song. But to many people, a personal relationship with God is a foreign concept. Many people think it's just reserved for heaven. Heaven is real. Hell is real too. And heaven will be glorious. Heaven will be blissful. Jesus is coming again. And we will be with Jesus face to face for all eternity. Praise God. I am not watering that down. That is all part of the package. But eternal life is also now. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can experience a close personal intimate relationship with God now. John 3.16 again says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the goal. Okay? If all we did, we did was receive forgiveness, you are saved. If all you did was receive forgiveness, you wouldn't go to hell. But you are missing out on eternal life. I know I'm being very repetitive on purpose. So why is this so misunderstood? Why is this so misunderstood? Why is this not taught? Because the church has changed the message. The church has placed a period after the word perish in John 3.16. They have not told the world that God sent his son to die for their excuse me, let me start over. They have told the world God sent his son to die for their sins so they would not perish, period. This excludes the true message of eternal life. This excludes an intimate relationship with God as the purpose of salvation. Okay? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <coughs> right? That's where faith comes from. But if we don't hear that Jesus came back to bring us to a relationship with God, then we'll never have faith for that relationship. If we don't hear the word of God says he wants a relationship with you, we'll never have faith to experience a relationship with God. See, many people have received Jesus and received, many people have received Jesus and received forgiveness of their sins. Praise God. And maybe you're not putting enough emotion to this. But many of those who same people are saved and stuck. And that's what we're going to get into when we talk about the benefits of salvation. Okay? Instead of, instead, they are muddling through life waiting for heaven. Let me back up. I want to say this again. Many people have received Jesus <coughs> and received forgiveness of their sins. Praise God. Okay, are you hearing me? And but many of those same people are saved or stuck. Instead of, instead, they are muddling through life waiting for heaven before they get unstuck, before they get out of the mud. They believe they will truly live only in heaven. But this is missing the main purpose of salvation. If there was no heaven and hell, Jesus still would have come. There is a heaven and there is a hell. But even if there was, hypothetically, there was no heaven and hell, Jesus would still have come. If there was no heaven and no hell, Jesus would still have come. If there was no heaven or hell, Jesus would still have died for our sins. 
There is a heaven. There is a hell. But he still would have died. Why? So that we could have a close, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus and Father God. Galatians 1, 4 says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God the Father. The main difference between the early church and the modern church is that the early church knew God intimately. The early church had a relationship with God that wasn't waiting for heaven to start. The early church, without any modern technology, impacted the world. And again, from Acts 17, it was said in our realm that these are who have turned the world upside down have come here too. The 21st century has made very little impact in the world. Now, let's take a look at a couple things just real quick. I'm, I'm wrapping this up. I know I'm, I'm done early. But let's, before we close, let me just look at some things about the early church. Rome. We think we have it bad. Rome was wicked, evil, very worldly, if I can put it. But Christians knew God so intimately that they sang his praise on while being burned at the stake. You don't, you don't do that unless you have a revelation about a relationship with God. See, historically, Nero, the emperor, stuck his fingers in his ear saying, why must these Christians sing? That's how wicked this Nero was. I mean, it, not only that, History says Romans were Romans themselves, Gentiles, were jumping out of the stands to join those being martyred. They were willing to suffer the same fate that they could experience the same close and personal relation with God as these Christians who were being martyred before their eyes. See, the early church, they had more than a doctrine. More than a hope, they had a personal relationship with God. This allowed them to endure with joy, terrible, um, I even looked up how to pronounce this, atrocities. I know I, I, I'm, I'm probably killing that word. Atrocities. Atrocities, thank you, my wife. She's always my walking dictionary. History says Romans were jumping out of the stands and joined them being martyred. Let me ask you a question as we are wrapping this up. How many of you would die or how many would die to have what you have right now? How many see the joy and the, the, the benefits and the, um, the evidence of you having a personal relationship with God that people would die to have what you have? Let me, we, let me ask a question another way. Is anyone envious of your relationship with Amen or amen. If not, perhaps you're not experiencing the eternal life as the Bible describes it. If not, perhaps you're not experiencing eternal life as Jesus died to give it to you. See, experiencing eternal life is normal Christian living. If experiencing eternal life is not your experience, you're not really living. True Christianity this is my main point I'm trying to get across is about a personal relationship with God. True Christianity 
It's all about relationship with a person, not just some doctrine. The personal relationship with God is the foundation of everything we teach in this church. Again, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only God so me, believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For he who believes in him is not condemned, but he does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the one God. This is the purpose of salvation, a relationship with God. Does that mean forgiveness of sins is not important? Does that mean going to hell, not avoiding hell is not important? No, that's we're going to talk about the necessity starting next week. We needed that. And the week after that, we're going to go spend several weeks talking about the benefits of salvation. Okay? But the purpose of salvation is that our sins, I mean, our, that we have a relationship with God. We couldn't have a relationship with God if we didn't have our sins forgiven. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And while we were sinners, Christ died. I have one main message I'm trying to get across today. Next week we're going to take us to another, we're going to look at this prism from another angle. We're going to talk about the necessity of salvation. But one of my main purposes that I'm trying to come across today is that we have such a great salvation. And that salvation is that we have a relationship with God. Praise God we go to heaven. Praise God we avoid hell. And I know I'm not saying that with enough enthusiasm. But the purpose is a relationship with God. That's my name. It's a very simple message this morning. Next week we're going to get a little bit more complex as we get to the necessity of salvation. And even more complex when we get to talking about the sort of benefits of salvation. But the purpose is God died so that he could have a relationship with you. That's the purpose. God bless you guys. I hope this makes sense because it's a very simple message. I'm not downplaying from the other things, but if that's all you're getting, you're missing out. You're missing out. And I can guarantee you, if you have a personal relationship with God at the early church, even if you were burning at the stake, people would jump out of the stands and join you. I believe it was so real. You can't, you can't do that without a personal relationship with God. So, anyway, it's worth dying for. It's worth having. Just like any, like my wife or anyone else I care about, I would die for them. And I say that being a natural man who's born again. But God died for us. And the early church were willing to be martyred because they're not escaping this awesome relationship. They were, they were not going to see it was an eternal relationship. Just because they were dying that relationship was not going to be over. They were going to see him face to face. They weren't dying to see him face to face. They didn't have a choice. They, they were being murdered. They were being murdered. But at that point in time, when you are, have a relationship with God, no matter what happens in this world, even if you were to die, that relationship never ends. You're just going from glory to glory. You're just going to see him. Instead of seeing him just in the eyes of faith, you're not going to see him face to face. And so, when you know that, you, have, you can't, 
You can't scare someone who's not afraid of dying. Because you can't take anything away from them that they don't already have. And see, this relationship, this life that we have with God is not just today. This life that we have with God is eternal. And if something's eternal, nothing in the natural can touch it. It can't be touched. It can't be touched. And it's not based on our performance. It's based on what he did. And that's what we kind of talked about last week. We talked about the gift of salvation. But we're going to go to next week, talk about the necessity of salvation, which kind of goes hand in hand. It kind of, kind of fills in the hole between the gift of salvation and the purpose of salvation. It's a bridge. Okay? And then we're going to be talking about, because we have such a great salvation, let's experience all of the benefits. Because avoiding hell and going to heaven is only one of the major benefits. We can receive wholeness, we can receive healing, we can receive provision, prosperity, and we can also receive deliverance. And we're going to hear that in a lot more detail. The Bible has a lot to say about all four of those. We'll talk about those in the coming weeks. God bless you. We'll see you tonight. It's God bless you.